Amen. Amen. I said I'm ready for the word of God tonight. Hallelujah. Praise God. Did you come ready to hear from God this evening? Amen. Amen. I said, did you come to hear from God tonight? Hallelujah. I've come to hear from him once again. Hallelujah. Praise God. So let's open our hearts to the word of God. Brother Tolstad preached to me tonight. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. Appreciate the presence of the Lord. Amen. Appreciate that he is here. Amen. And because he is here, there's victory in the house. Amen. He's never lost a battle. Amen. He has always won. Amen. There's been plenty of times in my life when I've lost. He's never lost. Amen. Now we can sing that with all confidence that there's victory here because he is here. Praise God. And he's, 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 he's won the victory. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. Amen. He has conquered it. Amen. The devil came and tried to tempt him, and he conquered that too. Amen. He's got victory. Amen. And when we're living filled with him, that means we're filled with victory. If we have him dwelling in our soul, then we ought to be full of victory. No matter what happens in life, we ought to be full of victory. Amen. We can walk with our heads held high because we are on the right side. We are on the winning side. Hallelujah. Amen. We may suffer some things in life. and There may be some disappointments, but I'm telling you, we still have victory. Amen. We're still on the winning side. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. That old devil thinks he can whip up on us a little bit. I'm going to tell you something. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Amen. If, he's full, if I've still got the Holy Ghost, then I've got victory. Amen. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, then you need to get the Holy Ghost, and you can have victory too. Hallelujah. I don't care if you had it before. If you ain't got it right now, it's time to get it again. Amen. Leave this place with victory. Hallelujah. Praise God. My last couple days hasn't gone according to plan. I'll just tell you that. Amen. We just, I decided to drive back last night from Branson where we've been vacationing a little bit. And, uh, and uh, I was talking on the phone, just having a good drive. Actually frustrated at the time because I kept dropping my call. And so I was irritated. And I looked down. My car goes ding, 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 ding. And I look up and my temperature gauge is pegged and it says motor overheating. Hallelujah. So I yank it off the road in the middle of nowhere. Jump out. I've got shredded belt, antifreeze spewing everywhere. <sighs> Praise God. Right at you, Rich, Missouri. Right at the exit. So I decided to get off the road and found there was a Casey's. So I went and sat at Casey's till, till my rescuer came and rescued me. Praise God. Brother Brandon so nicely came and got me. And then we went back and picked it up today. It's kind of hoping it'd fall off the dolly on the way back. Somebody'd rear end me or something and smash it all up. Praise God. And it never happens that way. I would have been shouting to victory if that would have happened. Except that I was driving Pastor Ricky's truck and that might have got messed up too. Praise God. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter six. It actually brought back some wonderful memories, though. 
Because 11 years ago, on the same day, I was on the side of the road in my Ford Bronco. Broke down. Two days before my wedding. And me and my brother-in-law are stuck in Hood River. I was getting married in Chehalis, Washington, which was two hours away. And I called my family. They're like, well, I don't know what to tell you. It's like, well, if I ain't coming, you ain't coming to get me. And I ain't there. You ain't having a wedding. And they wouldn't come get me. So we had to rent a car. Amen. So happy anniversary, by the way. Tomorrow, 11 wonderful years. Praise God. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 1 says, Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that ye might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it, that ye might as fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes, his commandments which I command thee, thou and thy son, and thy son's son all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye might increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee, the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates." And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou planted not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full. Then beware. Lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shalt swear by his name. Praise God. For a little bit tonight, don't know if I'll be preaching, teaching, yelling, screaming, talking, I don't know. But talk for a little bit tonight on the preservation of the gospel. The preservation of the gospel. Amen. Can you lift your hands, ask God. To have his way in this house tonight. Lord, we love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, you're wonderful, you're mighty God. We need you tonight, Jesus. Lord, have your way in this place, God. We need your touch, need your help today, God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Lord, you are wonderful, you're mighty God. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. And you may be seated. Amen. This is a pretty powerful, I believe, passage of scripture we have read in the book of Deuteronomy. Amen. If you go through it now, I'm not saying it's the, the, the easiest section of the Bible to read. 
Amen. The Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy can, can be a challenge sometimes. Praise God. But, amen. But they, they were the commandments that God was giving to His people. He said, these are the commandments, the statutes, the judgments, which the Lord your God commanded to teach you. Amen. Moses stood up there and taught them these commandments and gave them to them because God commanded him to do so. Amen. Here we go again. Praise God. I want to tell you something. When your pastor stands behind this pulpit and preaches something, it's not because maybe he chose to do it, but because God put it on his heart and, if you would, commanded him to do so. Hallelujah. I'm telling you what, from experience, sometimes it's not easy to preach certain things. But when God puts it in your heart, puts it in your mind, amen, you have to be obedient to the Holy Ghost. Moses said, I've commanded you to do this because God commanded me to teach this to you. Amen. That you might do them. It doesn't do a whole lot of good to teach commandments if you're not going to do it. Amen. He said, I've taught them to you that you will do it, that you might fear the Lord. Keep all those statutes. Amen. That you'll command thee, thou, and thy son's sons, thy son, thy son's sons, all the days of thy life. Why? That thy days may be prolonged. Amen. And he, he said, if you'll observe, it'll be well with thee, and you'll increase mightily. There's something about being obedient to the commandment of God. Amen. It pleases God. And all of a sudden, your days begin to be blessed. Your life begins to be blessed. Why? Because you're being obedient to the commandment of God. Oh, but I don't understand every aspect. And let me tell you something. If you're obedient, even though you don't understand it, there's a blessing in it that's beyond description. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Of course, we have verse 4 that we all get excited about here. Oh, Israel, the Lord, our God, is one Lord. Amen. Thou shalt love the Lord with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Amen. I'm telling you something. Uh, if you're really going to live for God, uh, you can't put a half-hearted effort into it. Uh, but you better love Him uh, with everything you've got. Uh, with your whole heart. Uh, with your whole soul. Uh, with all your might. Uh, to love Him beyond everything else. Hallelujah. Hey, man, I'll tell you what, if you're going to live for God, uh, it can't be something you do when you feel like it. Uh, amen, but it better be in every day, uh, every minute. Uh, amen, experience. Uh, I live for him in the morning. Uh, I live for him at the noontime. Uh, I live for him in the evening. Uh, I live for him in the nighttime. Uh, I live for him on the weekend. Uh, I live for him at work. Uh, I live for him on vacation. Why? Because I love him uh, with my whole heart. Uh, I love him with my whole soul. Uh, and I'm going to love him with all my might. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo. He said these words have got to be in your heart. Woo. It's got to be in your heart. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Amen. We hide his word. In our heart. Why? Because we love him with our whole heart. Amen. And his words mean more to us uh, than any other words could mean. Uh, and I'm going to hide it in my heart. 
And thou shalt teach them sporadically unto thy children. I'll take them to Sunday school once a week. Let them teach them. Bring them to Bible study Thursday night. I'll bring them Sunday night and they can hear the preaching. And that's good enough. He said, thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. When you talk about them. Well, you talk about them when you sit in your house. When you're walking by the way. When you lie down. Or when you get up. That kind of sounds like all the time. Hallelujah. You understand the Catholic Church says that if you give us your children, I forget the period of time that we can make them a Catholic for life. Why? It's because they ingrain inside of them their false doctrine. And they bury it into their mind and they try to get it into their heart. And they don't even understand what they are. But they get into this mindless ritual and they memorize their prayers and they memorize their little forms of doing things. Amen. They try to get a hold of them when they're young. Let me tell you something. The greatest opportunity we have uh, to save our children uh, is to teach them from day number one uh, that here, O Israel, uh, the Lord our God is one Lord uh, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, uh, with all your soul, uh, and with all your might. Amen. We talk about the Lord. When we're sitting in our house. Talk about the Lord when we're walking in the way. Talk about Him when we're lying down. Or we talk about Him when we're up. Well, that's what the Word said here. He said you should bind them for a sign upon thine hand. Frontlets between thine eyes. Write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. If you do all these things, it shall be that he's going to give you a good city that you didn't build. Houses full of good things that you didn't fill up. You're going to drink from a well that you didn't dig. You're going to go reap a vineyard. You're going to go reap that harvest from the vineyard and the olive tree, but you didn't plant them. But then he gives us a little word of warning. It says, when you have eaten and be full, beware, lest thou forget the Lord. You know, I have a few times seen where God does amazing things and brings folks out of bondage, brings them out of the world and Amen. Changes their whole life where they never could keep a job. They get a good job where they never had their own home. They have their own home. They're driving decent cars and uh, and their life is good. And it's all because of the blessings of the Lord. But somewhere along the line, their focus begins to move uh, and the focus begins to change because they're they're full and they're content uh, and they're satisfied uh, and they begin to forget uh, who got them there. Uh, Forget what got them there. 
And all of a sudden those things, uh, amen, that extra time in prayer uh, can be used to make another dollar. Uh, that little time of devotion, hey, I've got another purpose for it. Uh, I can go to the lake and go fishing. Uh, and they forget uh, who got them where they were. Uh, forgot who gave them what they had. Uh, amen. He said, beware lest you forget. I'll tell you, say, oh, hallelujah. Amen. I don't want this gospel to die out in my family because I forgot to let my children know where we came from. Forgot to let them know what God has done and what God will do and what God wants to do for them. All we have to do to let this gospel die out is get content and satisfied and to be full. And forget where we came from. Forget what got us here. Forget who brought us to this place. Hallelujah. We got to preserve the gospel. Preserve the gospel. Hallelujah. A couple years ago. Man, I, we had desired to put in a garden. We didn't get our house in time to do so. But we had some folks in the church that had when they gave us, amen, some things, vegetables and such. And, you know, they don't, they don't stay fresh forever. Amen. They gave us a bunch of beets, gave us some yellow beans and green beans, which I don't believe. They need to go in my mouth, much less down my throat. <laughs> Praise God. But we, we pickled those beets and put them in jars, amen, for another day. Preserving them for a day around the bend when the snow was on the ground. And those beet plants were long since gone and dead. Amen. But we could go into the pantry and pull out a jar, get a jar of green beans for Lily and my wife to eat, amen, and Trey a little bit, depends what mood he's in, but me and Abby abstain from all appearance of evil, amen, but you preserve them so that they will last, you can them up and you do it just right that they will last, because you're preserving them. Amen. And I'm telling you, there's got to be something inside of us that has a desire to preserve the gospel. To keep it, amen, that same freshness, amen, if somehow we can, as that first day that we heard about it. Does the preaching of Calvary not stir us anymore? Can we not get excited about a basic Acts 2.38 message? Can we not get excited about hearing that oneness message preached because it's become too commonplace? I want to tell you something somewhere. It's got to be as it was that first day when we hear it for the first time. When God opened our eyes of revelation and we begin to see the truth. Amen. We've got to preserve it in our hearts. Amen. That it's still just as real right now as it was so many years before. (laughs) 
They say it just takes one generation for something to die out. This takes one generation that doesn't want to do it the way that they were taught to begin to water it down until it's completely unrecognizable in the next generation. Well, hallelujah. If you don't believe me, you can go visit some churches in the region uh, that used to be strong apostolic churches. uh, But somewhere along the way, uh, begin to water some things down. uh, Begin to back away uh, from the truth. uh, And today you wouldn't even recognize it uh, as a truth-believing church. You know what happened? There wasn't a desire to preserve the message. There wasn't a desire to keep it right and to keep it straight and to keep it true. Amen. But they began to water down and push this away and that away to be pleasing to the flesh. Because there's coming a day when men will not endure sound doctrine. But will heap unto themselves teachers having itching ears. Let me tell you something. We better not get that little itch in here. But God help me. to want that truth. That old-fashioned message. Amen. I don't want it watered down. Give it to me hard. Give it to me straight. Woo. Hallelujah. Amen. I don't want this to die. And I don't believe that it's ever going to completely die out. God is always going to have a church. He will have a church until the day he calls his church home. But if we are not careful... We've got to work in our own lives. Amen. We've got to do our responsibility to ourselves and to our children and to their children. And if God tarry long enough, their children. Well, it's up to me. It's my responsibility. It's my wife's responsibility. It's our responsibility to our children. Well, praise God. It's my responsibility. If they hit their teen years and they don't know this message, it's nobody's fault but mine. If they can't tell you what it takes to be saved, if they can't tell you that there's one God, that's my fault. Hallelujah. We can't blame it on the Sunday school teachers because there's nowhere in Scripture that says it's their responsibility. He said to teach it to your children and your children's children. Talk about it when you get up. Talk about it when you lay down. Talk about it when you're walking around. Talk about it when you're sitting down. Make sure they know it. I'm telling you, I don't want to just teach it to my children. But somehow I want to teach it to somebody that ain't never heard it before. A wonderful testimony, Brother Wisdom, teaching a Bible study to somebody that's hungry for truth. Hey, man, that is our responsibility to preserve this gospel. Part of preserving it is to spread it. 
amen, to cast that seed out. And I know that some of it's going to find soil that's rocky. And some of it's going to find soil that's not good soil. But I'm telling you, some will bring forth a hundredfold. Some's going to bring forth this and that. If we're casting seed... But do we want the gospel to go out? Do we want this message preserved? Do we want someone else to reach it? Do we want somebody else to feel what we feel? Do we want somebody else's eyes opened as our eyes were opened? Well, hallelujah. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Amen. I apologize, Brother Wisdom. I forgot to. Amen. Give him my list of scriptures. I'm making him work tonight. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 5. Hallelujah. Y'all have your Bibles? Amen. I believe it's Pastor Reagan that says that that's for the visitors anyways. Praise God. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 5. Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments. Even as the Lord my God commanded me that ye should do so in the land whither ye go to possess it. Keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations which shall hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what nation is there so great who hath God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for? Why are they great? Because they, they obeyed the commandments. And what nation is there so great that has statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law which I set before you this day? Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. But teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. Take heed to thyself. You know what else is my responsibility? It's my responsibility to make sure it's in my heart. I've got to pick up the word of God. I've got to study the word of God. I've got to plant that in my heart. Because it's got to be more than just up here. But somewhere it's got to get into my heart. Well, is, let me tell you something. There's a lot of people that have a book knowledge. Amen. That can sit there and open the word of God and tell you things in the word of God. But somehow it never passed from here to here. We've got to get it in our heart that not only do we know it, but that we believe it and we love it and we realize we've got to have it. I've heard more than one testimony from somebody who gets locked up in jail somewhere in a cell with a backslider and that backslider goes through the word with them. Amen. And shows them the truth. Leads them to a place where that person gets out. They go live for God. But yet that backslider never does. Why? Because it's here, but not down here. 
I don't want to just know it in my mind, but I want it buried in my heart. I don't want it to depart from my heart all the days of my life. Somehow we've got to get it to where this apostolic message is a conviction. Hey man, a conviction. You say, what are you saying? I'm saying that we believe that it's heaven or hell. That except a man repent, he will die in his sins. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but somehow it's got to get into our heart. A conviction planted in our hearts. Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse number 16. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to remind my kids. You know, I grew up on stories my dad had when he was a missionary kid. I grew up on stories that he told me, amen, of his Bible college days. And it wasn't all good. Some of them was funny. <laughs> amen. Climbing, breaking into skyscraper construction and climbing the outside of the cranes. Amen. My dad was crazy. He also went to Bible college when he was 16 and graduated at 19, so he was still a kid. And he proved it over and over. I'm not speaking ill of him, just telling you the truth. Amen. But I tell you what, I grew up on stories of old. But I'll tell you one thing that my father planted in me was not just telling me what had happened, but helping me to realize that there's no reason why it can't happen again. I can tell of stories of old to my children. Amen. But I want them to understand that not only did it happen back then, but there's no reason it can't happen right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy 11 and 16. Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. We got to take heed to ourselves. I don't want my heart to be deceived. Because I'll tell you what, the enemy of our soul knows how to twist things, uh, to make them sound right. But they're just enough wrong uh, to deceive us and to lead us aside that we would serve other gods. It doesn't take much of a twisting, uh, an added word or a deleted word uh, to completely change the meaning uh, of the word of God. Take heed to yourself that your heart be not deceived. Why? Verse 17, the Lord's wrath be kindled against you and he shut up the heaven that there be no rain. And that the land yield not her fruit, unless she perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. He tell you something. He, he talked about back in, in, in chapter 6 about the blessings that God was going to give. If you would obey the commandments. Here, he's saying if you don't, if you allow your heart to be deceived and turned away, amen, the Lord's wrath be kindled. 
And all of a sudden, things begin to turn in your life where everything was going in a good direction. Everything seemed to be going right. And all of a sudden, things begin to turn. Why? Because we're letting our heart be deceived. Sometimes we, we listen to the, to the wrong voices. And maybe, maybe it's somebody that we love very dearly. But somehow they've let themselves be deceived. And they begin to tell you that you don't have to do it such and such way. Take heed to yourself. Sometimes it hurts. Walk away from people we love. I'm going to tell you something. I want the gospel to be preserved in my heart. And earthly friendship is just for a little bit of time. It's a very temporal thing. Even if it's a lifelong relationship, it's only a temporal thing. I'm not going to let me wanting to keep a friendship, uh, amen, somehow allow deception uh, to come into my heart. Uh, but God, keep my eyes open. Uh, amen. Keep my mind fixed. Uh, amen. I don't want my heart to be deceived. Verse 18, therefore shall you lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul. Bind them as a sign upon your hand that they may be as frontless between your eyes. You shall teach them your children, speaking of them when thou sittest. You recognize this? In thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house and upon thy gates. Why? That your days may be multiplied, and the days of your children in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. For if ye shall diligently keep all these commandments which I command you to do them, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to cleave unto him, then will the Lord drive out all these nations from before you, and ye shall possess greater nations and mightier than yourselves. Why? Because I took it and I put it in my heart and in my soul. And the Lord will drive out. The Lord will drive out those nations from before us. And I'm not saying what I'm going to say. In, in, I'm not trying to judge anybody. I'm just going to make this little statement here. That if we don't have the gospel buried in our hearts. And if we don't have it buried in our soul. How can we expect somebody else to want to come in and do it? It's nothing better than someone coming and trying to sell you something. And you ask him, well, do you have this? Well, no. Well, if you don't need it, why do I need it? If you don't believe in your product, why are you trying to sell it to me? We better have it buried deep into our heart. Well, deep. Buried, written, 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 written in our hearts. The only way we can get it there is by being faithful to the house of God. In applying the word that is preached unto us and taught unto us. That we apply it into our lives. That we pick up this word and begin to study it. Amen. That we pray that God would open our eyes up. That we can understand what we're reading. 
That Ethiopian eunuch was sitting there and he's reading the word of God. And the man of God said, do you understand what you read? He said, how can I except somebody show me? And that man said, well, hello, let's let me have one chance. And by the time he got done, that said, that man said, hey, there is water. What doth hinder me from being baptized? Amen. There was something. His eyes were opened because a man had it buried in his heart. And he stepped up when the opportunity arose. And another man got revelation because he was looking for it and desiring it and hungry for it. I'll tell you what, if we're going to live for God, we better keep a good hunger for the things of God in our life. It better overpower every other desire that, God, I might know you better. God, that I might know you deeper. Amen. I'm very thankful for where God has brought me to in my in my walk with him. Amen. But I also understand that there is far greater things ahead. And there's such a deeper place that I want to get to. And the only way I can get there is by burying that in my heart. Well, praise God. I know this is basic tonight. I want to tell you something. This old gospel has never changed. It's been the same from the first day it was delivered until this. Though man has tried to change it, and man has gone and made up his own ways and his own formulas and his own this and his own that, the gospel has never changed. Well, Jude chapter 1 and verse 3, familiar passage of Scripture he said, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you. Why? What? That you should earnestly contend for the faith. Which was once delivered unto the saints. These folks were needing a reminder that they needed to earnestly Contend for the faith. But why? For there are certain men crept in unawares, which were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And there are men everywhere today that deny Lord Jesus Christ. And they're creeping in. Well, now, they're creeping in to try to dissuade us from the message that is once delivered unto the saints. And the cry goes forth once again it's time to earnestly contend for the faith. It's not the time to get lax. It's not the time to get lazy. It's that time to earnestly contend. Amen. To make sure I know it one way down, up this way, down that way, that it's buried in my heart. I've 
got to study it. I've got to know it. I've got to love it. I've got to earnestly contend to preserve it in my heart. That when that old smooth talker comes in that can talk so good and make it sound so right that I can understand when it's not the right thing, when it's not the truth, but it's someone creeping in trying to dissuade us and trying to change things. Amen. That I can hold fast and contend for that once delivered faith. got to earnestly contend. got to earnestly contend. We live in a world, hey man, that will teach you everything but the truth. Your children are in public school. I, I, I feel sorry for them because they'll hear everything but the truth. If it's not from the teachers, it'll be from the students. Got to make sure it's buried in their heart. Buried in their heart. The most important thing. I'm just going to say it is not our education. It is our salvation. Well, that just made somebody mad, but that's all right. It's not the most, our education. Yes, it's important. I understand that, but it's not the most important thing. The most important thing is salvation. Hallelujah. I want to tell you something. I want to protect my kids from some things. There's some garbage, unbelievable garbage. Amen. That's being taught and being promoted. Amen. But I want my children to have that truth planted way down deep in their hearts. Well, if I made you mad, I'm sorry, but I'm telling you what. We're sending our children out amongst the wolves. Amen. Sitting them out amongst the wolves. Teaching them tolerance. Let me tell you something. I don't want my kids to be tolerant. You say, well, you're all kinds of, that's fine. I'm old-fashioned. I understand it. I don't want my kid to be tolerant of homosexuality. I don't want them to be tolerant of immoral lifestyles. I don't want my children thinking it's normal for women to be married or men to be married or this woman to be shacked up with that man. That's not right. I don't want my children thinking it's right. Little children are not born a boy physically but mentally a girl. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That's a warped parent putting trash into their children. Well, praise God anyhow. That's soon probably to be illegal to preach that in in this country. It's already illegal in our neighbor to the north. Amen. But I'll tell you what, I've preached this message there. And I'll do it again because it's wrong. It's an abomination unto God. 
And we've got to have that planted in our hearts. We cannot pick and choose which parts of this word that we're going to bury in our hearts. But somehow from the front to the back, we've got to plant it and water it and let it grow in our hearts. Amen. Everything, even the things that are difficult, amen, that might be hard to live. I've got to live it if I want to be blessed. Paul writing to the church in Galatia, Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, he said, I marvel, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and will pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that he have received, let him be accursed. Verse 10 is a very critical scripture, I believe, in this passage. He said, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. You see, what's happened and why the gospel gets watered down in certain places is because somewhere along the line we begin to try to please men instead of pleasing God. And those teachers will come along that will just scratch the ear. Remember several years ago reading an article about a man that pastors, I believe it's the largest church in the United States of America in Houston, Texas, known as Joel Austin. He was raised, I believe it was Baptist, but he said, you know, I, he said, I just don't preach doctrine. He said, I like to preach about the love of God and the blessings of God. I, I don't really preach doctrine. Well, even if he was preaching it, it still would be false doctrine. But, but that just something about that whole attitude made me want to throw up. that too blunt because I'm telling you if we don't know the doctrine I'm very thankful to know the blessings of God I'm very thankful to hear of the love of God and God loved me so much that he put some statutes and some commandments that I've got to live by well, hallelujah God loved me so much that he told me what I needed to do to be saved but he doesn't love me to the place, amen, if I can say it this way, that he'll let me live however I want to live and still go to heaven. Because I've got to show that I love him enough uh, that I'm willing to do what he asked of me. And there are some rules, if you would. There are some things that I must do if I'm going to make it over there. And it doesn't matter how much I love them. It doesn't matter how much I want someone to be saved. If they're not willing to live by that book, there's nothing I can do. And I'm not going to stand behind a pulpit and try to make them feel like they're going to make it when they're going to split the pit. And yes, I'll never have a church of 50,000 people. Well, 
But I also don't want to be the one standing in judgment someday for having led 50,000 people to hell. Because I refuse to preach the doctrine and the gospel. I've probably said this here before, but my father-in-law has a little motto. He said it a few times from the pulpit. He said, when I stand behind this pulpit, he goes, I'm nobody's husband, I'm nobody's father, nobody's brother, I'm nobody's sister, obviously. I'm nobody's family, I'm nobody's friend. But I stand here as the messenger from God. In other words, you don't get a pass based on who your family is. You don't get a pass because of how you're related to the man of God or not related to the man of God, how close you are to him, how far you are away from him. It doesn't matter. When we stand up here, it just, we're just trying to be a messenger from God, deliver a message. Because I don't seek to please men. I'm not trying to make you mad either. But I'm not up here to please men. Paul went on to say, but I certify you, brethren, the gospel which was preached of me is not after men. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. The only way we're going to put it in our heart is to have our eyes opened up by the revelation of Jesus Christ. He is the only one that can open our eyes. Amen. That's why I believe that so many folks can read this word and never see the truth because they don't have that open mind that God can begin to work and open their eyes because they're following after the ways of man rather than the ways of God. People are looking for Scripture to justify their opinion rather than looking to the Scripture to see how God wants them to live. Looking to the Scripture trying to find something to prove their point of view rather than let God's point of view come forward. My point of view is not mattering. What matters is what God has to say and what God put in His Word and how God wants me to live. Receive it of man. It came by the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's the one that opened my eyes. He's the one that opened my heart. You have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion. How that beyond measure, I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. Profited in the Jews' religion above many of my equals in mine own nation. Being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Neither I went up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. I went to Arabia, returned again unto Damascus. And after three years... I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter, abode with him 15 days. He said, I certify this gospel. It's not after man. God, God revealed it to me. God opened my eyes. I didn't go find the opinion of man. I didn't go looking for someone to tell me what their opinion of the gospel was. He said, but, but somehow I, I went out into the wilderness. I found that alone place with God. And then I came and found Peter. Spent 15 days with him making sure that I wasn't off in left field somewhere. Well... But God had revealed it to him. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. 
close with this. Uh, taking too long. I'll skip half of what I had here. Second Thessalonians 2 and 13 says that we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren. Beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation, the sanctification of the Spirit, and belief in the truth. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. We give thanks for you, brethren. God chose you. He called you. You obtained it. But now I want you to stand fast and hold on to it. Stand fast and hold the tradition. I'm not talking about traditional Christianity. But the traditions and the promises of this word. I'm going to hang on to it. I'm going to hold on to it. I'll believe it with every bit of my being. I'll love it with my whole heart. I'll hang on to it through persecution. I'll hang on to it through trial. Amen. Through every storm. I'm going to hold fast to those traditions. Because I want that gospel to be preserved in my heart. I want that gospel to still be alive and well. I want that truth planted. I believe the day is coming soon in our country. My goodness, we've seen so many religious freedoms disappearing. More and more, more and more, and more and more, they're going to go. And I'm telling you, you better have it buried in your heart. You better have it planted deep. It better be that conviction planted in your heart. That there is but one God, and His name is Jesus. That except a man repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of his sins. Except he be filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in an untoned tongue. And except he live himself as a separated life, holy life, separated unto God. Is that a conviction? Is it a conviction? My Bible still says there's but one road. One path, straight is the gate, narrow is the way. There's one door. Oh, this old denominal world would like us to think that every road leads to the same destination, but there's just one narrow way. That's straight way, that narrow gate. Jesus said, I am the door, I am the way. Except you believe that I am He. Except you believe that I am He. Is it a conviction? Is it buried in our heart? Do we believe it from the top of our head to the sole of our foot? There's only one gospel. There's only one way of salvation. 
I don't want to see anybody lost. There's nothing I hate more than going to the funeral of somebody that I know did not know truth. Because there is no joy. There is no happiness. There's no peace. All it does is trouble my heart, trouble my soul. Knowing that somebody died lost. And nothing in my mind could be worse than going to a funeral of somebody who once knelt in this altar, who spoke in tongues, was buried in that tank. But because they didn't plant it, because they didn't bury it in their heart, they didn't love it with their whole heart, their whole soul, and all of their might. Somewhere the gospel was not preserved. Passed by the wayside. It's time to stand fast, folks. It's time to bury our nose in this book. Bury our nose in the carpet back the preaching, live the preaching. We can't just be hearers of the word. Somehow we've got to be doers of the word. Let it one go in one ear and out the other, but somehow, Lord, help me to to where it is my life. There's a scripture that I, I, I really like. I believe it was also the Apostle Paul that wrote it. He said, Christ, who is our life. Who is our life. He is our life. I guess that doesn't excite anybody else. Jesus is my life. Living for Him is my life. Hey, there's some things I've got to do. I understand that we got to work. We got to do this. We got to do that. Amen. To survive. But I'm going to tell you, He's still my life. He is still my life. Amen. When I wake up in the morning, when I go to bed at night, uh, He is my life. Amen. I don't want to know a life without Him. I don't want to know what it is to go to bed without Him. To rise up without Him. But I want Him to be my life. Amen. That when I'm walking, He's on my mind. Amen. When I lay down at night, He's on my mind. When I get up in the morning, He's on my mind. Amen. When I'm talking with my children, He's on my mind. myself and no one else is around that he's on my mind amen I've got it buried in my heart if you stand with me this amen I want that gospel to be preserved I want to be preserved in my life buried in my heart young people get it planted in your heart get it planted in your heart I was digging through some pictures a few couple years ago. Amen. I 
found a picture. Begin to look through it. Amen. And I'm telling you, it bothered me. It bothered me bad. It was a picture of the youth group that I was a youth leader of in Hood River, Oregon. That picture, there was 20-some young people and myself. And I began to look through there and I began to count the ones that were still in the church. I began to look through it and one time we had 30 young people there. And I believe at the time of that counting, there was only 12. 12. That picture was only, goodness, at this point it's probably 12, 14 years old. Down to 12. 18. Walked away. I started to get off social networking because I couldn't stand seeing them. They'd send me a friend request. I'd go on there and see these pictures of these kids that, that were raised in the truth and they, they knew what it was to live right, but somewhere they didn't put it in their hearts. It was in their minds and they knew it, but it never got that pathway down to their heart. I want to plant it in their heart. Because I've got to be saved. I've got to take heed to myself. I've got to take heed to myself. I love my babies. I tell you, I love them. Not really babies anymore, but they always will be to me, I guess. And it bothers me that I can't, I can't save them. Somewhere they got to make a decision to plant it in their heart. They've got to be the ones that bear. Some of my best friends growing up walked away from God because it never got into their heart. Preserving the gospel, preserving the truth, preserving the message in their life did not matter. They didn't hold on to those traditions. But somehow it wandered away and they walked away from God. I don't believe for a minute that anybody can be on fire for God one day and wake up one morning and say, you know what, I'm just done. I'm going to walk away from God. Never happens that way. What happens is over time it begins to be less and less and less important. Something else begins to occupy their mind and occupy their time. And if I can put it this way, occupy their heart. And all of a sudden what used to matter doesn't matter so much anymore until one day they finally wake up and say, why am I wasting my time going there anymore? And they're out the door and gone. But it did not happen overnight. It was a gradual thing. It started slow and snowballed until they were gone. And where it starts is by not planting it, planting it, planting it. lift our hands tonight. Hallelujah. I want this gospel to be preserved. God, help me to plant it deep in my heart. Plant it deep in my soul, God. Lord, that I would hold fast. That I would hold fast to those traditions. I would not be the one that let it go and slip away and walk away, God. But let me put it deep in my heart. 
I've got to love him with my whole heart. I've got to love him with my whole life. I've got to give him everything. Amen. I'm not going to make it if I just try to live for him on church days or when I'm around somebody from the church. But every moment of every day, let me bury it in my heart. Because I want to make it. I want to make it. If you'd like to talk to the Lord, this altar's open. Amen. If you want to make that, reaffirm that commitment that God, no matter what, God, I want you in my life every day, every minute. I want to renew my dedication. Renew that consecration. I don't want that message, God, to get old. I don't want it to go out in my life. But God, help me to love it. To love the preaching of the cross. To love that old salvation message. To love this way of holiness. I want to preserve. I want to preserve the gospel.